Hello, Guardians. Welcome back to Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast. I am one of your hosts, Corey Deering, and alongside me, as always, is the Jotun Toten, the Vault Dwelling, the Mayor of the Deepstone Crypt, my favorite co-host on the Citadel, and now the Disciple, Josh Finney. Ooh. I am, in fact, both a Disciple and a Disciple Slayer, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That was the raid? How was it? How do you feel? Man. Uh, I mean, I, I said I'd share some emergency reactions. Um, I want to apologize to everybody off the top off the top of the show. I had hoped to have uh, raid reactions from myself and some of the members of the team on Monday. Um, but because of all the, all the anteater errors people were getting on Saturday, contest mode got extended by another 24 hours, which meant that we could not get our clear Sunday afternoon as we had hoped. Um, we actually had to punt to Monday night. We wrapped somewhere around like two o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. uh, because we're trying to walk across four different time zones. So uh, that combined with uh, some things that personally went on this week, a uh, whole bunch of just personal problems. Um, I've been unable to record that and get everybody together. Um, but the hope is that early next week, we will have that for you. Um, with full breakdowns of what we thought of every encounter, what we think of the mechanics, the boss, the loot, especially, and God, I'm going to have to do like a whole episode on the lore from the raid because this is the most lore heavy raid we've had since, uh, probably King's Fall. Yeah. I can't think of another one that's been as lore heavy, but, uh, I mean, initial reactions, I think the encounters are crafted in a really smart way. Um, <laughs> There's something like 25 symbols, I think, in the raid that you have to know what they mean. And uh, we did not realize that Bungie had actually named all of them uh, on a wish wall style thing earlier uh, before the first encounter. So huh. we were coming up with just all these names. Uh, Black Blob is actually the Black Garden, mm. uh, I think. Uh, we were calling one of them. Uh, it looks like a fucking Mesa. So I kept calling it Utah. <laughs> um, but for anyone who did not watch contest mode this is one of the most brutal contest modes i think i've ever seen and it was primarily because of two things the dps check on the second encounter is not bad but holy shit the ads were just murder we were getting sniped left and right yeah uh that was pretty rough the wizards inside the rooms were one hitting us uh it, it's night and day once contest is off right um and then the final encounter with Rulk. Rulk is, man, it's hands down the best boss fight they've ever done in Destiny. It was something different than stand in a well and shoot, which is what we've been asking for for years. Uh -huh. um, even in D1, there was a lot of that, right? Like stand behind, uh, uh -huh. dip in and out of the bubble. Um, right. Have your have your uh, have radiance ready to go. Right. Things like that. Um, yeah. There was always a lot of that, and there's that won't help you here. If you take a well of radiance into that final encounter, you're fucked. Yeah. You, you will not make it out. You will you will not make it out alive. You will die instantly. Um, and we we had it down to a science where we almost two faced him. Um, if we had done maybe a fraction more damage, maybe half a million more million more damage in the first phase. We maybe could have two-phased him. The only problem is you're you're out of supers and you're out of heavy by the end of a damage phase. 
So you have to like you get him down right there to where there's like a fraction of his health left before he hits final stand. We actually had to like run around in circles because he could still take damage mm-hmm. um, to ensure we didn't accidentally activate final stand since we had nothing left. Yeah. Um, no specials, no nothing. Um, wow. It, it was crazy. It, it is a, re- they're really smart encounters. I think um, I personally like gut reaction. It's my favorite raid ever in destiny. It is unseated King's fall. Um, this this whole experience, do it trying to do it day one, like we had the last couple raids, and then going and finishing it up on Monday, really made me realize like I love King's Fall, but I loved King's Fall so much for the story it told. It was unlike anything we'd done at that point, even in Destiny. Like it was unlike the previous two raids. It was unlike Vault or Crota. We've evolved so much in terms of game design now that King's Fall, as far as I'm concerned, King's Fall and Last Wish walked so that Valid Disciple could sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of storytelling, in terms of the encounters, the the ingenuity behind it. And the encounters are so simple when it comes down to it. But just the way that they're built, like, if you're not following a guide, it's really going to make you think. Mm-hmm. And I was proud of us. We figured out how to do the first two encounters without a guide, except for hilariously how to open the doors in the first encounter. Mm-hmm. We could not figure out how, and it turns out it was just the toggle that starts the encounter. Um, so we felt really stupid because I don't want to disclose how long we ran around that arena trying to figure out how to open up doors, but, uh, it, it was a great, it was a great experience. The, the loot is great. The armor set I think is great. Uh, it, it moves, which is really cool. Like both the armor and the weapons do. Sadly, none of us got the exotic pulse on the first try. Uh, so I can't speak to how good that is. But I always love activities that when they're completed world's first that unlock other things in the world. Uh, the pier the look of the pyramid has changed in the overworld uh, of the throne world. Oh really? There yeah, yeah, there there's all sorts of orange light coming out of it. You can see it's visibly damaged. There is a new weekly mission that you can go to, which actually takes you through the opening of the raid and into the first encounter. Hmm. Um, it's like baby's first raid mechanics, really. So I think that's really cool for people who otherwise wouldn't get to experience the raid. And then you get 20 minutes just to explore the area in there, to explore everything from the first encounter, to go back a bit, um, and to pick up uh, different... There's different lore stations you can go to scattered throughout the area that when you scan them with your ghost, start talking to you, and at the end you get a special lore card also. Um, I, I just think more more of this. More of this for those who are either too intimidated by LFG or just they don't have a group or simply don't have the time to run a raid. This is cool, exploring and reusing those raid spaces. And the inside of the pyramid is different when you go in there because it's been damaged. It basically got mini-nuked at the end. We destroyed a super weapon inside, for God's sake. Uh, there's some really crazy lore behind Rulk, behind the worm god that you see in there. Um, yeah, I saw the, like, yeah, I saw that. That was that is the mother of all the worm gods. That's the mother of Zol. Oh, really? Jeez. Yes. Uh, that thing is basically, it's not dead, but it's not alive either. It's kind of just in, like, almost like in cryo in a way. Hmm. Um, but it is so scared of Rulk. Rulk uses... There's this giant bone you see when you walk into the first encounter. Uh That is a bone from the Leviathan of Fundament. 
and he uses that to beat the shit out of the worm god and you know, like make it submissive essentially wow yeah like th this guy this is the most powerful creature we've ever faced in, in the series like he is more powerful than he makes Oryx look like Crota looked next to Oryx. Like, oh god, that's how this is. Yeah, this dude. Like, you get the sense during the boss battle, he's he's fucking with you the whole time. He's trash talking you and all this stuff. He's like, oh look at that, you made me bleed. Like right about the time you get him. When he goes to final stand, you see a that ten seconds is a glimpse of what his power is because that's the only time he feels threatened by you. Even that, I'm not completely convinced he's dead. This dude is the second most powerful creature in the universe behind the Witness that we know of. And, like, how they come to me, it's, it's just an insane story. We're going to need, like, multi, we're going to need, like, a six-part lore corner to cover this guy's story. Wow. Uh, I guess what we're going to cover a lot in the back half of this season. Because it, it's nutty, and we're surely going to keep finding out more, like, they they took the storytelling in this expansion and especially with this raid and just dialed it to eleven. It's wild. Wow. So I can't wait for everybody out there should make an effort to do this raid. If you don't feel like if you're not the appropriate light level, you will be in trouble. Um, this is one of those where that it that and like the what is the light level are needed for like the normal it, one. So it says fifteen twenty. Oh. And I think that's misleading, personally. That sounds like, uh, um, hey, you're going to get through the first encounter, and then you're going to struggle the rest of the way. Fifteen, I would say 1550 is appropriate. Um, and the only reason why I say 1520 isn't appropriate is because, of course, remember, in raids, things do scale up. So that's what uh -huh. the opening encounter is at, and you add 10 for each. Right. So the final boss, so Rulk, is at, like, 1550. Uh -huh. Um. And I would, I would just encourage, like, anybody who's going to go in there, like, there are... You will change your loadout a lot throughout this raid. Um, what you use in the first encounter, probably it's not what you're going to use in the second, third, or fourth. Uh -huh. um, we found that Outbreak actually did a lot of damage. Yeah, I saw you... Uh, Datto, when you were posting... Datto was doing it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I got the Outbreak Catalyst. Uh, absolutely essential for ad clear. Yeah. It... Yeah. One person can hold down the entire second encounter with an outbreak with the catalyst completed. Yeah, so I've been working on that this week. Yeah. Because uh, I actually found some, it's like a dad destiny raid group who is like a chill. Mm -hmm. It's they're like chill and they only play at certain times like when I'm available. So like we're going to try it probably next weekend. So uh, it's, cra it's crazy. I, I've never recommended an activity like I do this. Yeah. This is, uh, I think this is. This is the pinnacle of design, of encounter design, of mechanics that they've ever done. Because ultimately, it is so easy. Mm -hmm. But it's the timing. The timing has to be precise on everything. It's timing, and it's a lot of it's a lot of callouts. Yeah. Like you want to have a second screen next to you so you remember the callouts at least initially. Now, when you failed at it for like fifteen hours, you've memorized them all already, and you. Every group's going to have their own shorthand, but thankfully there is like a universal list of uh, names that have come out for each of those symbols, which uh -huh. is nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I saw the I saw the symbol wall, and it looks like a lot of the symbols are something that we've done in Destiny prior or have been. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I would definitely say that they're all pretty common symbols. Mm-hmm. It's just we would all have different names for them. I think. Yeah. Um, I do get that. I am getting a kick out of how we are not the only raid group that was calling it Utah. There were a lot of other people I was watching when I was watching their attempts uh, screaming Utah. Uh, which made me very happy to see. It was like some slight vindication, because uh, I don't see it any way how that's the Black Garden. Um, well, I mean, I know why it's the Black Garden, but I don't like it. Um, but I, we're not going to sit here and dwell on the raid all day. Corey, we have a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Yeah, we do. I'm very excited to talk we about We haven't Destiny even covered tonight. like half of the expansion, so that we're going to dive into some of the secrets of the Throne World tonight after... We hit the Chwab. Uh, there's only a little bit in the Chwab this week. Mercifully, thankfully, it's a small Chwab. Um, oh, I apologize. I'm really congested tonight. Um, so, I mean, of course, you're going to see there's some stats on the Vow of the Disciple raid. Uh, total players that entered the raid during the first 48 hours was 500,460,000. Uh, uh, player about half of that cleared the first encounter less than half of that cleared the second encounter about half cleared the third and then about a third of that cleared the full raid there were 32,621 unique players that cleared the raid in that 48 hour time span we do know that the vast overwhelming majority of those uh were cleared on sunday that in the first 24 hours, only 900 fire teams made it through. Um, and the rest of those stats are obviously because we had a full 48 hours to do it. Right. Uh, I do agree with what a lot of the community is called for, though, which is <sighs> make, once Worlds First this happened, make contest optional for people. Mm-hmm. Um, make normal the normal rate available then. Um, like for instance, I know for our group, it would have been like, okay, we probably can't jump in and do it like that. Cause it'll probably be cleared sometime in the evening, but we can do it first thing. We can all be up early in the morning and have all day Sunday to tackle it, right. you know, still go, still go in as blind as possible and then try to clear it. But cause I saw a lot of people saying it was, and it was really hard on our team too, especially that the 48 hours we had all accounted for, okay, 24 hours. And then, so we had Saturday and Sunday cleared, but then we couldn't do our normal clear. Hence us staying up until two o'clock in the morning, Tuesday morning to get that clear before a reset. Right. Um, I also agree with the calls to make contest a permanent addition to the game as a selectable difficulty. Um, we started saying this back around Vault of Glass time. There is nothing in this game that compares to the difficulty of a day one contest raid. Uh-huh. And, like, all the Grandmasters in the world, all the Master Raids, Master Dungeons cannot prepare you for what you go through. Yeah. At that point. Uh, I'd really like to see Contest Mode activated. Bife had a great idea, I think. Which is, keep your normal Contest Mode emblem for 24 or 48 hours, however you decide to have Contest Mode active initially. Have the normal emblem for everybody, regardless of status clear, and then have incentivized running contest mode. Have a third one available to anyone who clears contest mode in its lifetime. Um, an emblem or some sort of cosmetic or something. Uh, make make it worth running. You know, make make these things worth running. I'm not saying like lock weapons behind, like lock an exotic behind contest mode or something, 
But I don't know, maybe clearing it in contest like guarantees you the exotic or something. Um, there, there's got to be a way, better way to handle this and to prepare players going in. Like the fact that not even half of those who entered the raid were able to clear the first encounter is telling. That's telling. And then, of yeah, course, but how many how many of those people you think are people that jumped into a raid thinking it wasn't because like. I know a lot of people that don't even know that the raids in Destiny are puzzles, like the raid we, encounters. We do know this is probably the busiest raid that's ever happened. Uh-huh. Um, damage was on Twitter, you know, kind of do, he was kind of doing damage control on Saturday with all the anteaters saying there are yeah. so many of you trying to get into this that that's what's causing the crashes. Yeah, I saw um, that. That is just absolutely wild. Um it's great. It's absolutely, it's absolutely great. Um, but moving on from, I promise that's the last we're talking to the raid tonight. I promise. Raid, raid, raid is done. Raid is over. I'm excited. I'm excited um, to play the raid. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, all's fair in trials and loot. Trials of Osiris is back Ooh. on this Friday on the 11th. Friday, I, March I see some 11th. things that I like. I see some things that there I like are here. Two fantastic weapons being added to the loot pool. One is a returning favorite, the Messenger Auto Rifle, and the other is a brand new Void 260 RPM Scout. I love this Scout. It looks uh, awesome. I I can't remember if I mentioned it on here. I saved my Trials Ingrams from last season. I saved a couple of them. And I got a few rolls on this scout already as a result. Uh-huh. I I like it. I like it. It's basically a void version of Trusty. I think Trusty is still slightly better. Uh-huh. Um, but I really like the perk pool on this scout rifle. I don't know if it's going to be like a top tier option. But I was enjoying playing around with that. I took it through a fair amount of the legendary campaign, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. Uh, so we got to the back end of it. And I just needed snipers and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, I like it. Definitely encourage you to go in and get it. It would not shock me if that's the three win drop tomorrow. Right. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think it's on the rewards track initially this season. Um, for leveling up at Saint, but mm-hmm. of course with Saint you get those couple Ingrams. I mean those those first like three major levels go through really fast. Mm-hmm. So you can just go and you get an Engram every minor level. That's like nine Engrams you can have to go turn in and get uh, get this and get Messenger. Right. Um, of course, it has to be in your loot pool for you to focus it. So, hey, if you have everything else, go take those Engrams straight to Rahul. Take a couple of them straight to Rahul, have him decrypt them, and then run back and get all your good rolls. Um, the Trials weapons are still as good as ever, as relevant as ever, I would say, in PvP and PvE. Uh, go get you some loot. Now, these do have uh, the... I'm trying to remember how to pronounce this. Uh, Alacrity, uh, which increases reload stability, aim assist, and range when running solo or as the last guardian standing. Um, I personally think that's great for things like uh, Master Lost Sectors. Master and Legend Lost Sectors, I think that's good there. Or if you're trying to solo some of these... Uh, story missions that probably comes as quite a bit of, but you also have the one quiet moment trait which grants increased reload speed when not in active combat 
when you have something like this uh, scout rifle here, it's almost instantaneous. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, Aisha's Embrace. Uh, There is a combo we're told here to watch out for, uh, such as Triple Tap and Fourth Times the Charm, which is the one I'm chasing right now. And then Tunnel Vision Multi-Kill Clip is another one. Uh, The Messenger is a 600 RPM auto rifle, for those who don't remember from when Trials first came back. Uh, And it has uh, new new perks this time around. It's not the same perks as it was, uh, but Heating Up and Focused Fury are two of the new perks on it. So it could be really spicy. I really like 600 RPMs for breaking uh, enemy shields when match game is on. So having a good solar option there when we already have things uh, like the the new uh, God the uh, the new arc auto rifle this season, which is essentially uh, an arc chroma rush, and you have old favorites like gnawing hunger to fill that void slot. It's pretty great that we have one now, and as well as the uh, the stasis one, the the vice uh, stasis auto rifle. Mm-hmm. I love that auto um, rifle. The, by the, the crate, the, the crate. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you now have one for each element, so that's great for your match game needs. Um, cannot, cannot recommend getting good rolls of these weapons enough. Uh, especially Void 3.0 with that scout is really, really fun when you get the volatile rounds going. It's great. Iron Banner. Uh, it comes back on Tuesday for the first time this season, so that means Trials will be back for a week, and then it's going away for a week. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, to get Iron Banner, all six weapons in the Iron Banner pool will have the Skulking Wolf trait, which activates during the hunt with enhanced radar and removal from enemy radar when you land final blows. All returning Iron Banner weapons will have updated perk pools, including the new perks from the current season. Uh, the two new weapons are a 180 precision hand cannon called Frontier's Cry, which may be just like the ugliest fucking gun I've ever seen in this game. Uh, it looks like a little, not even a flintlock pistol. It looks like a flintlock version of the little tiny pistol that, uh, Tommy Lee Jones gives Will Smith and Men in Black. Mm-hmm. This is like the Assassin's Creed 3 version of that gun, I think. It doesn't look great. <laughs> uh, includes perks such as Steady Hands and Compulsive Reloader, plus Iron Reach. Uh, and then the sword. I love the look of this sword. Uh, I also say my Iron Banner Ingrams, and I got one of these swords out of it. It is the same frame. It's a Vortex frame, uh, and it's Void, the same as Falling Guillotine. It looks like a lightsaber, though, when you see that Void edge on it. It looks cool. It looks really cool. I like it. Uh, It's one of my favorite designed Iron Banner weapons ever, I think. Um, But you get... well, you can get things like Wellspring or Unrelenting, and then Chain Reaction also rolls on this sword, which I'm very excited to see. Um, I really like swords. Of course, I'm still clutching my God Rolled Falling Guillotine, even though it's not OP anymore. I still leave it in my inventory for absolutely everything. I like it. Um, and then uh, there, there's a little note here at the end for all our PVPers. Uh, we have a new map coming up on the horizon, but we're not ready to talk about that yet. We will be talking about that at a later date. That is the new map for next season, I believe. Uh, this season we got Vostok and Eternity back. I'm already tired of seeing Eternity. I've played it like seven of my ten matches have been on that map already. 
Uh, but Vostok, very excited for that, especially for some momentum control mm-hmm. and for some Iron Banner. And then uh, I <laughs> hope this new map slaps. We haven't had a new map in years. So I'm really going to need them to hit, hit it home on this one. <clears throat> <Whew. laughs> you all right there, Josh? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired and my throat keeps drying out. Take a sip. Sippy, sippy, sippy. <laughs> um, Hot Fix came out this morning, of course. Um, the big news out of that is it fixed a lot of the issues with uh, weapons and armor that had to be disabled for the uh, raid race, but also the wellspring drop rates have supposedly increased. <sighs> it still took me like eight runs to get two red border come to passes to drop. I... At this point, I just want to do my master runs, and I want to I want to finish getting my red border weapons for the bow and for the sniper. I want to do my four master runs, and then never, ever, 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 ever think about the wellspring again. Uh, what should be a fun activity has turned into an absolute nightmare for the vast majority of us, I think. Uh, and it is no way in shape or form fun. And then I just remembered... <laughs> If you want to get the Witch Queen seal, you have to craft all nine Throne World and uh, Wellspring weapons. Now, you may be asking yourself, Josh, there's not nine weapons. Well, mm-hmm. there is. <laughs> it's called You're Gonna Have to Craft All Three Exotic Glaives. Ah. Uh... So have fun with that, because once you've done your first exotic glaive, the other two, regardless of what character you play on, the blueprints for them will drop from Wellspring at some point. So get back to grinding, I guess. Yep. <laughs> you didn't. You already didn't have to do enough to be able just to get to that quest. They basically hand it to you once you get through that one. Let me tell you, that's the one most of us have been stuck on since, like, day three. They just kind of hand it to you at the end. Yeah. And are like, here you go. You don't You don't even enter a darkness zone during the exotic quest or anything. It's it, absolutely wild. If I had three characters that, that had all completed the campaign and I could actually bring myself to suffer through some of this stuff again, then I would do it. But thank God they're making all the blueprints drop across all classes. Yeah. Um, Smart. You know, that's, that's uh, smart. The Ascendant Alloy issue has supposedly been fixed. Um, Rahul will offer two bonus uh, Ascendant Alloys for the sale for the price of one. I don't know how long that's going to last. So if you have not done that at the time of this, at the time of listening to this episode, I would recommend you run at, with all haste to Rahul and buy those. I will be doing mine immediately after the recording of this because I keep forgetting to do it when I'm in the tower. Um, do, 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 do. Bungie name changes. They're yeah, I finally did it. One time only. <laughs> I did you it. Can change your name. I did it. I did it. I also did it. I also updated oh. my name. Mine now my, just uh, matches everything else that I do in the world. So <laughs> I see. I changed mine. Um. I have had the same Xbox gamer tag uh, since I was like 14 years old. I have not changed it, but I decided I wanted to change my destiny name uh, to be more in line with the personalization I've gotten on my jackets and things like that. Uh, and just to make it simpler for call outs, uh, you know, I used to be Captain Cakes. 
my best friend is Mr. Cheeks. It gets really confusing when you're in LFGs trying to call it Cakes and Cheeks. <laughs> and both of us end up running to the same place. I've been there. Uh, I've been there. And we've caused a number of wipes. So I just made it easier oh, on everyone. I've rebranded myself that, thin. <laughs> that definitely happened in the when we were all playing Vault together that one time. <laughs> uh, yes, it happens quite a bit. Somebody was calling. I think somebody was calling out calling you out to care to do something with the relic and you were actually in the room taking out uh enemies so it was pretty funny i've been there yeah it, it's it's happened a and by a good time often i mean a bad time at like 1 30 in the morning it's a bad time especially in it, vault yeah. when you've been running that raid for seven years <laughs> it's not great it's absolutely not great um and then to uh, to close out, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about at the top of the show, um, the unfolding invasion of Ukraine uh, and the human rights abuses that are happening there um, as a result of the invasion. Um, Bungie announced uh, right around the same time that they were going to the first uh, 48 hours of their uh, Gamers to Give charity initiative that they were going to donate that money to Ukrainian Relief. Um and I don't think they they don't tell us how much uh, was raised here, but uh, they did make a special emblem. Everybody can go redeem this code. Uh, it's a blue and yellow emblem uh, with flowers on it uh, to kind of symbolize Ukraine's flag, obviously. Uh, the code is listed in the TWAB, but we'll go ahead and give it to you here. J-V-G-V-N-T-G-G-G. Um, I cannot pronounce the Ukrainian word here, uh, but the message that uh, says here, uh, we humbly tried to exemplify the hope and courage that has been so emblematic of the Ukrainian people during this impossible time. Alongside Ukraine's coat of arms, impressionistic sunflowers, Ukraine's national flower, populate the peaceful countryside, a metaphor for hope and our way of expressing solidarity. Uh, this is far from the first time Bungie's done something like this. Uh, of course, the Australian wildfires a few years ago, um, they made one of the best shirts they've ever made for that. Um, heck, their, one of their original charity initiatives way back before Halo 3 even uh, was Fight the Flood when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. Uh, so Bungie's no stranger to charity initiatives and to humanitarian reason, uh, humanitarian resources. You, you get what I'm trying to say. They're no stranger to, to those sorts of Herculean efforts that they require. So any amount of solidarity or help that we can give to uh, the people of Eastern Europe during this time, I'm sure is appreciated. And of course, we've already told y'all how we feel about that matter. Yeah. Um, Definitely uh, hits home. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know, especially for you and your family at those, Corey. Mm-hmm. Um and for uh, some of our listeners too. Yeah. So, yeah, we hope have... everybody's staying safe. Um, yeah, I just, there's it really it's, it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hope everybody's safe. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We uh, we do have uh, as strange as it may be for us to abruptly change topics from that. We do have a lot of uh, happenings in game to talk about. Um, the first two weeks, of course, we talked about the campaign and the storyline. We talked about some of the exotics last week, some of the side quests that you can do. We'll kind of dive into the secrets this week. 
um, that you can get up to in the throne world. Uh, now that we've established the storyline of the season and nothing like majorly shifted this week, thank God. Um, or if it did in the uh, Master Vox Obscura mission, I didn't do it yet. So, um, <laughs> one of the requests that we had this week uh, comes from our friend Andre. He asked if we would talk about specifically about the Altars of Reflection missions that we get weekly. Uh, so I guess let's we're talking about secrets. I think you have to start there because that's probably the biggest source of not really like secrets, but of like kind of like throne world magic uh that we come across and definitely like some of the most consequential like in your face storytelling like oh you're not having to go read lore cards for this they're straight up telling you to your face you're seeing things play out in the pool of reflection that you go to so many times in the campaign um and this is where the now infamous two truths and a lie segment has come from uh, i was only able to find three of them transcribed online um I've I've had much more dialogue in those, and for for time's sake, I am not going to look all those up and read them. You are welcome to go do those missions, but I specifically want to talk about the two truths and a lie segments that I was able to find, because I think this really helps point us in a direction of not just what Lightfall and the Final Shape will be about, but what what lies beyond the end of the Light and Dark Saga. I think there there may be some hints in here, in in these so. Of course, when we're reading these, keep in mind that Sabathun is the god of trickery and cunning. Just because she says it's two truths and a lie doesn't mean that it's not all a lie. Or it's not all true. She she likes to play games, as we've found out over the years. And especially with her stupid little puzzles you have to do. With the <laughs> goddamn hive symbols. I think we're all tired of seeing the ones that come up on the columns, at least. When you have to jump through them, it's not as bad. But, man, when you got to find the three that all match throughout the room, that can be just fucking tedious if you right. don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. Or if you don't get how it works. Um, so let's go ahead and let's let's jump into these. i gotta, I got to pull up the correct window here. Uh, but some of the dialogue. So I, I have three of these. And... I'm trying to go from... Yeah, so we're, we're going to start from as far back as I could find, which is about 10 days ago. Um, the Pyramid Blade is the key to defeating the Witness. The Witness seeks the final shape, and the final shape is nothing. The Witness will build his army on Mars. The last city is not the last city. Um, I mean, like, right, just right there, like, right off the bat. Yeah. You have a plethora of implications here. So, like, yeah, is the the glaive meant to be the weapon that we kill the witness with? Like, I find that hard to. Given some of the lore that we get in Vow of the Disciple, I'm inclined to say that that I was already going to say it was false. I'm inclined to say it's definitely false now. I mean, unless there's um, like some like exotic super one that you get in the final shape as like a almost like a sword the way that you know like when the hive so, when hive knights drop ah, swords to like you know what i mean i I, I was gonna share i was gonna share this sentiment in the raid recap i'm actually just flabbergasted that the raid exotic was not the exotic glaive yeah because the the legendary glaive that drops in the vow of the disciple that is rulk's glaive that he uses 
Oh, really? Why on earth is this a legendary and not an exotic is what I wanted. Are are we going to make an exotic version of this? And like, hey, bitch, you want to be a weapon? We're going to make you a weapon. Like, we've done it to Oryx. We did it to Zol. We really want to do it to Savathun. Could you be a stand-in, maybe? Uh, I, I find it really hard to believe that that was not the first exotic glaive. But I get it. They wanted one for each class. It was a unique opportunity even if the exotic glaives are just the most underwhelming thing I've ever used. Um, I feel like that first one has to be a lie, though. I feel that... Sorry. I've seen how my glaive fared against Rulk. It's... It, this ain't it. This ain't it. He's not even <laughs> as powerful as the Witness. That blade's not the key. The Witness seeks the final shape, and the final shape is nothing. Um, I'm also inclined to believe that this could be a lie um this one and the next one i'm not really sure the, the next one of course is the witness will build his army on mars i'm not sure which one of those is the lie one of those is for sure a lie one is for sure a truth i lean more towards he's gonna build his army on mars just based on some of the quest dialogue that we get during the exotic glaive and some of the uh lore that we kind of uncover through the raid and before both you know during and after right um there is a clear reason why the witness wanted mars uncovered like why he gave it back to us and it was, he was pursuing the relic he wants the relic he he wants to he wanted to do something with it we find out we don't know what it is and i feel like that is a mystery that will unfold over the next couple of expansions and seasons uh, and then of course the final one the last city is not the last city i i would say that's true i'd say that's 100 percent true oh yeah uh i mean we not only do we know you know from last week's lore you know with lord saladin in last week's cutscene um but just we we know there's other settlements like felwinter's peak could qualify as one yeah for god's sake like no like the farm the farm exists the farm still exists it's just gone to the great content vault in the sky <laughs> but rest assured there are people being every bit as useless there as they were when it was actually in the game um <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you, see, you, you get things like that, and that this is one of the first ones I remember uh, of the four. And I was like, okay, well, that's a little interesting. I didn't really pay too much mind. The other two are the ones that I really want to focus on. So, the Traveler will leave. The Traveler will fall. The Traveler is not the only of its kind. The Hive are not the last to be blessed by the Light. This I think this is the trickiest one. I think this is absolutely the trickiest one of the three that I was able to find. Because we do get the insinuation in, again, in Rook's lore that the Traveler is not the only one. That there have been multiples. Because mm -hmm. it's insinuated that he destroyed the one above his planet. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say... That is true. Um, the Traveler leaving was something that happened in Elsie's Dark Future. Mm -hmm. That could happen. Th this is the one that really makes me wonder if Sabathun, you know, is really telling us two truths and two lies. Yeah. Um, because I will guarantee you the Hive are not the last to be blessed by the light. I guarantee mm -hmm. you that Mithrax is getting a ghost by the end of this, guys. Okay. Mithrax is uh, my little forearm buddy is gonna run around with a ghost. I promise you by the end of all this. 
If he doesn't, there will be riots. I don't know a nicer way to say it. Oh, man. I hope so. The scoldings will continue until morale improves. Don't make me come up there to Seattle, Bungie. Uh, <laughs> and then the last the, the last section. He's already mad at Seattle uh, for run reason. He doesn't need to. <laughs> yeah, I really don't need another reason to get mad at Seattle this week. Um fucking russell wilson uh osiris is dead sabathun is dead the witness birthed the darkness your destiny lies beyond the system we did talk about this one last week um yeah i and we we i kind of still i i go along the same thing sabathun is dead for now yes but i don't think she is for good osiris is dead that's false yeah, um the cause... witness birthed the darkness oh yeah. go ahead go ahead oh go ahead. i was gonna say we know osiris isn't dead right i mean he's just right. kind of like right. in a, in a... <laughs> he's basically comatose yeah um and th- there is some really touching lore that we get with saint 14 um in the seasonal lore that uh kind of shows the struggle he's going through caring for osiris while still trying to help with the the war effort and being a member of zavala's council and uh good old devrim Devrim is helping him out. So uh, that's that's really nice to see. I would say Witness Birth of Darkness is false. Um, I would just say that he's kind of like the chief... He's the chief entity mm-hmm. uh, on the chessboard for the darkness. So to speak, he's the king. If Rulk is the queen, he's the king. Mm-hmm. Um, much like I kind of envision that our guardian is the king and like... Marasov or, or Ikora is the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and how we react to things and wield things. Um, your destiny lies beyond the system. I mean, that's that's just straight up true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've been talking about that, that for that is, that a while. Is for me, the biggest indicator that we are leaving the solar system either during lightfall or post-law. I really, part of me would love for it to be during lightfall to start establishing other galaxies mm-hmm. not even other galaxies but other systems right. within the milky way right but at the same time the rest of me is like uh, that would be like a really cool way to like start fresh though like after after the final shape right yeah. like to kind of escape what happened we have to you know jump to another solar system or another galaxy or something I want to I want to use this to kind of spo- I know we we've spitballed and I don't want to spend too much time on this because uh, there's so much more content to come between now and final shape in two years right mm-hmm. right you know we we've got four season three more seasons to go between now and Lightfall and then you'll have four seasons before final shape and you'll have four after that we don't know what comes after that we probably won't know what comes after that until the final shape is in our hands right they probably will not talk about a hypothetical and i do think that is the jumping off point for a hypothetical destiny three yeah you too would be to come out after that maybe we'll start hearing rumblings of that coming up but no story details until after the campaign for final shape is done mm-hmm. so it'd be really cool if the seasons were kind of like building up to what you go do in I number would, three i would even think maybe even after the raid comes out that first raid and final shape I, I think it'll have to be after the raid because it's, I mean, come on. It's, yeah. it's gotta be a done deal that we're fighting the witness in the raid. 
Like, does it though? I mean, we thought we were going to find. I, I mean, I don't think anything's a done deal. But I mean, we thought we were like... going to see Zivu Arath at some point, and Zivu Arath's not mentioned I, at all. Hey, they're 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 still a raid to happen next year. Like I, I, again, no, I meant I meant. If you want to know my thoughts on Zivu Arath? Listen to the raid episode. <laughs> I have conspiracy theories about Zivu Arath. I, I mean, I want to know now, but. <laughs> So, I mean, the long and short of it is Rulk is the first, he's the first disciple. Right. But we find out through the lore that he was at Fundament when the corruption of Sathona happened. Mm -hmm. He was part of the reason that the worm gods were given, that the worms were given to Oryx, Savathun, and Zivorath to begin with. I believe, if I'm interpreting the lore correctly, when you are made a disciple, you are either the final like the perfect version of your race, which I think is the final shape. Technically uh -huh. um, you are like your image perfected or you are just the si single most powerful entity of your species. Right. I think that they have positioned Zivu Arath because we know that Rulk was on the throne world and he'd been there for <clears throat> years and years and years, basically spying on Sabathun mm -hmm. for the witness. Yeah. And when Sabathun came back and was resurrected by the light, she sealed him with a spell of light that was not broken until we went in. Right. We canonically went in there and kind of fucked everything up. He right. was basically trying to detonate a super weapon once we started coming in. Right. Like the whole boss arena we're fighting on is essentially a super weapon. So you know, you, you go through all that, and if you're if you're looking at this logically, like, okay, who are the potential disciples? Because just because it's a pyramid ship does not mean there's a disciple in it. That is established. Right, right, right. right so right. the European pyramid, if that's there, that does not have a commander. It clearly Varys. came searching for something. <laughs> I, I think it was there to seek out Aramis. Yeah. I think it was there to seek out Aramis. The moon pyramid, clearly whoever was the disciple there abandoned it long, long ago. Or it just never had one. I kind of believe that Eris has been corrupted and potentially ends up as a disciple. We know she's the like, the leader of the Black Fleet in the future. That mm -hmm. um, Sabathun does not receive the light in the dark future, and Eris instead takes her place and leaves an assault on the tower. Right, because she the becomes fleet. the Witch Queen, technically. She does. She does technically become the Witch Queen. Um, her and Keitel and um, Aramis as well as all the fallen guardians, including us. Mm -hmm. We are there at the assault on the tower because Elsie was not there to basically guide us on the path for stasis. Right. Uh, we know that Mara has seen visions of her becoming a disciple mm -hmm. uh, in a dark timeline. Which would make sense, she... technically. I mean... Right, because she would be the Awoken representative. I mean, and you, you could see... You don't think Zavala could technically be an Awoken representative? Mara, Mara's power is so beyond any other Awoken. At this point, I mean, Mara literally walks between light and dark. Right. But she I has mean, like... her own throne world. Like, having a throne world, you have to be so immensely powerful for that. The only ones who have a throne world that we know of that are not basically the hive gods are us and Mara. And that one weird scorn captain that experimented with hive magic. But that's about it. I do not think Zavala would be one. Um, I was just thinking like just to like throw like throw a uh, uh, not obvious 
wrench in the <laughs> in the I mean machine. I mean of course anything is possible like I, I won't write anything off anything is possible um I believe Clovis was being explored to be a human one at some point mm-hmm. uh, and I mean the pyramid still very likely could be there for Clovis Bray Clovis Bray could load himself up into an exo body and go march onto that pyramid remember he did build the portal on Europa because he was told by the darkness to do it mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, there's the possi- there's the possibility that Anna is being courted to be the one for humanity. But I do believe that given the events of Shadowkeep and its abrupt ending when the darkness talks to us in the Black Garden, that humanity's representative, regardless of what race you play as, mm-hmm. is meant to be the guardian, is meant to be the young wolf. Right. Uh, it just, it lines up a little too perfectly. The Cabal one is pretty clearly callous at this point. Um, and as for, you know, one from the Elixni, it makes sense why they pursued Aramis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they understood that Mithrax would never give in. It's Tanix. Dude, if it's fucking Tanix, I'm going to die laughing. That would <laughs> honestly, that, if I'm the witness, I'm just admiring how many times he's been killed by the guardians and just keeps coming back. Yeah. Uh, Tanix is the final shape confirmed. Yep. Uh, but but no really like I, I think that when we look at these when we look at the dialogue in some of these missions they are clearly trying to set up something bigger than just oh let's get to the next expansion let's get to the next season or something they are laying the groundwork like the investigation board you still don't know when you finish all of it you know what Imaru was going to do but he's eluded capture again they say and they're going to keep an eye out for him mm-hmm. I think we're going to keep interacting with that evidence board for a long time to come mm-hmm. like. His his part in this story is not over. Anyone who calls themselves daddy in actual canonical dialogue is not going away that easily. Um, I mean, I personally think it's that he resurrects Savathun, and it like like we speculated the last couple of weeks, like an enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. Mm-hmm. What if it's the inverse of what we saw happen in the dark future? Right. And Savathun and her brood actually help us, like. The Cabal and the Elixney Alliance is just the beginning. Like, what if we bring part of the Hive? Because the Hive were meant to be blessed, and you learn everything's a manipulation for them. They were deceived. They've been deceived for 30,000 years. And they had a part to play during the Collapse, and all this stuff. Like, we know that Rulk is trying to figure out exactly what happened during the Collapse. There's, there's so much, and I love that they're doing it, that they don't just do it in the lore. Like, in his taunts in the raid, you're understanding that. You're getting actual dialogue from Savathun here. And if that makes it harder for me to go find, I'm okay with that, because I'd rather it be spoken to the players so they can absorb and understand it. We can have these discussions. You know, we talk about how much we like the, the holograms and the audio logs that are in the helm for storytelling purposes. And it's not just our ghost narrating the story. And I think that's what I love so much about this. Like, this is another way of that happening. Our ghost just shuts up during it. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And it's Savathun's memories speaking to us. So I hope that kind of sheds some light on those mysteries. I, I think they're the most fascinating in the game. You know, finding those doorways and things like that and being able to do them. I, it's utterly and completely fascinating to me. Um, the puzzle room less so. I really hate that we have to do that every time. Um, 
but I think they're cool. They're infinitely better to go do than the EXO challenge. Like maybe if they change the dialogue in the future on these, I'll go through and play them again. Or if they can always cycle in new ones now, like this is something where you can add to it over time. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like, oh, you add a couple each season of this year, we're uncovering more and more of the mystery throughout the whole year. It wasn't all just solved in the first 48 hours of the expansion being out. You know, the raid added a new layer of complexity to this story that we, I don't think any of us expected. Mm -hmm. So if we can keep doing that in things like this, that's awesome. I mean, some of the lore cards that you get from uh, the Lucian Moths collectibles, and you start reading those, uh, we're actually going to read two of those pieces for Lore Corner tonight, uh, the two from this week, uh, because I think it's important to read those to understand Finch as a character. Mm -hmm. They are narrations of Hive Ghosts. And their feelings towards humanity, towards the traveler, towards the hive. Like, they were excited to resurrect the hive because the guardians weren't getting the job done. The darkness was still coming. Like, Finch notes that after what happened in the Red War and what happened on the Tangled Shore, like, it wasn't just that I lost faith that I was going to find my guardians. I was losing faith in humanity. Humanity clearly couldn't get it done. Someone else had to come along and... The more and more that we we read this lore and we you know we find these collectibles and we start reading these lore cards, the more I really wish the exorcism mission really would have happened back in like October or November to give that time gap that clearly passed in universe, rather than ah yes I did that and five days later I'm killing Sabathun. Like this makes it sound like oh she spent time building up this army we didn't know where she was and uh. It was about 72 hours from the time that uh, we freed her until I killed her. Mm. So that's kind of a problem in a in-universe timeline. That's kind of an issue. Yeah. You know, like her ghost is talking like he's been giving orders, you know, for months or years at this point. It's just, it's very bizarre to me how, how that specific plot beat was handled. Like just how it lines up in universe wasn't the most graceful, but I can forgive it if we get as good of a narrative as we got yeah ultimately um some of the other secrets uh have you seen like the, have you seen these little darkness rifts that you can close? yeah yeah you have to damage yourself with the parasite launcher and then shoot like just a single burst of any weapon to close it yeah uh they don't really do anything other than give you triumph score there's no there's nothing tied to it but when you get enough triumph score under the secrets page that's how you get the uh the shrieker shell, the the fundament shell for mm-hmm. your ghost. Yeah. Uh, I unlocked that tonight. It's it's really dope. I really <laughs> like it. Uh, I mean, I was gonna go do all this stuff for for the title anyways, but finding some of those is just weird. There's one that's bugged out on the bridge where you do the wellspring activity. Mm-hmm. There's one uh, kind of up the building quite a ways. And there's apparently a glitch where it's invisible for some people. So I had to, like, I had to look at a guide to find out exactly where it was. And then I took a trial shot and it said immune. So I was like, okay, now I know where to line it up. But everything looks the same. So you have to, like, find it. You have, like, five seconds to find it really quickly. Um, definitely should have taken a friend along for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you things like that. There, There's the, inve- we talked about the investigation missions a little bit last week, I think, where yeah. you can find them with the deep site. And eventually mm-hmm. you'll find, like, You'll find hive light bearers and you'll find more clues and that'll eventually lead you to an executioner's horde once you get like nine qualicor. 
I really wish that you got like decent drops out of it. It's really not worth it except the triumph score, but it's it's a cool idea that I think again like a lot of open world things were poor, pretty poorly executed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the deep side, I think I am actually encouraged to go and like try those puzzles out in areas that I've never been to because oh let me see what happened here. Oh let me see where I get to even if it's just a little chest like. I still think that's that's kind of like taking the concept of what we did in the Dreaming City, and this is like that 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the 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 memories kind of feel like the Ascendant Challenge 2.0 in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of fun. I think the, the Lost Sectors are great. Um, the Lost Sectors have been something like, there's been other parts of the game that have like kind of wavered, but I think the Lost Sectors have just gotten like, they sat down with Forsaken and were like, all right, we're going to make Lost Sector something worth doing. Yeah. And they've just been consistently great. Like, for all the gripes I have about Shadowkeep, the four Lost Sectors were actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then the ones we got on Europa were, I, I like the ones we got on Europa and uh, and in the Cosmodrome. And, you know, now we're getting, uh, we've got the three that are on the uh, the Throne World. That would be content I wouldn't mind seeing like come back. I, I love the addition of the Legend and Master Lost Sectors. Now we tie the exotics to them now. But this is like really, this is the expansion. Like you can enjoy it on a base level and you'll get so much story out of it. You'll get so much enjoyment. But if you go hunting for the secrets, I think especially the, uh, the Lucent Tales lore book that you get for finding those stupid moths and depositing them by Finch really uncover like because at the end of the campaign you may still be going like well why like why why would ghosts turn and why is finch the only one who rebelled and you get so much insight to that like i'm still waiting on the final four pages to drop over the next few weeks but i mean this week's was pretty pretty a pretty monumental shift i mean we get inside finch's mind and i'm really hoping he has a couple more pages yeah but i think when you tie things to those kinds of collectibles that not only makes you want to seek those out, like, because, oh, you want them for a triumph, but you want them for the lore so you can keep reading, you can keep informing yourself. It's not like the Jade Rabbit statues where, oh, I found 10 and there was, like, no purpose to it. Right, yeah. Or uh, doing the scanner augments on Europa and there was really no point to it, ultimately. There was a lore book associated with it, um, but that was one of those, like, it was just so tedious to do those, I was like, mm, I'm ishtaring this. Uh, this is one that does not, it's not sluggish. It's not hard to do. It's actually really simple. Like, okay, go find your moths. It tells you where to go find it. Go find it. Go look around a bit. Consult a guide if you really want to. And uh, then read your lore cards when you get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll always appreciate something like that, that, okay, I have to use, like, I have to use Deep Sight or I have to use, like, the, the gimmick of the area to get to something. Right. Rather than, okay, you killed 100 enemies. Here's a lore piece. Like, no, I don't. I don't want that. Or having to run a lost sector fifteen million times. Right. Um, so I don't know, Corey. Are there any mysteries that you that you found that you've been really enjoying? I mean, I really like the. I I really liked exploring the lost sectors. I've been enjoying finding the the um, what do you call them? The little fi- flying light things. Cheese. The moths. Uh, mm-hmm. I've I've really just been enjoying exploring the throne world because it's so big. Like it's way bigger than it looks on the outside, right? It's just I don't know. I I really like the throne world. I I like the little uh, deep sight puzzles. Uh, I mean, there's nothing that like really stands out a hundred percent. Just because like 
to be honest, I've been trying to level up to do the raid, and I haven't really had as much time as I would have liked to do everything that I've wanted to do. Uh, but I just, I really like the little secrets, and I, I really like Finch as a character, and I want to keep finding out about him. I want a, I want a little figure of Finch, to be honest with you. I really wish the collector's edition would have come with Finch. Yeah, that kind of like blows my mind that it didn't come with Finch. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it, but that feels like a that either feels like a missed opportunity or like a we're gonna make a really like sturdy version of him. Like that that just feels mm-hmm. like something Numbskull is gonna make down the line. Yeah. For like sixty or seventy bucks. And I mean to be fair, I would probably buy a heavier version. Like th- this is super lightweight. Yeah. Compared to the the Peter Dinklage one that I have, it's right. very lightweight, right? Uh, which isn't a problem. Makes it really easy for me to be able to put it up on a shelf or on a narrow shelf and display it. But there's something to be said about you know just like feeling like you have it, I guess. And mm-hmm. like I, you could go for a bit more detail probably on these, but yeah, it, like it it is what it is. Like um, it just it kind of. It's weird that, like, are they going to do something more with Finch? Because, like, they didn't mention him in the marketing at all or, like, give any kind of clue what, like, he was actually in this game or anything, right? Like, there, there's just nothing surrounding this character. And, like, the obviously the Collector's Edition would have been, like, the place to put him. But, I mean, I guess if Numskull might make a Finch statue, that's that's fine. But, I don't know. It just kind of, it's weird, I think just weird yeah i i'm not really sure what they're gonna end up doing here um but it certainly feels like you know with how well received witch queen has been maybe maybe they were leery of doing it for you know i don't know fear of backlash to the character um how were we going to receive him Mm -hmm. and i also think putting him in the collector's edition would have spoiled the twist that a hive ghost was going to work with us yeah um at least here when you do the generic one it's like oh okay cool it's a hive ghost you know i'm very glad that i didn't know about finch beforehand yeah but i mean they could have just said this was a hot a damaged hive ghost too right uh they could have i don't know i think that would have kind of given up the ruse though like why is one distinctly different yeah i'm waiting for the inevitable hive ghost stress ball that's going to be made, you know, and just like it looked like it's bursting at the seams. I would love that. Yeah. But you know what, Corey? We we're going to we're going to take a trip somewhere that we haven't we haven't spent a lot of time at lately on the Let's show. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to take a trip to the lore corner. Lore corner. Sorry. Lore corner. These are God, the lore pieces are really beefy this time. Yeah. Like this this expansion and this season like there's less lore pieces but they're like massively long i've looked at some of these like some of some of the lore books are only five pages long and for example i got a lord salad and piece this week and i was just like god almighty like this is so long i don't know if i'd get this all into one lore corner um but we're gonna do our best i'm I'm going to go through and, you know, parse through and pick the good ones. Let's do it. There we go. Uh, Finch 1 from Lucid Tales. And this is all from Finch's perspective, by the way. Uh, this and the next one we're going to read. You got to understand, none of us came here thinking grand schemes. None of us. There was there was just this urge, you know? So we followed it, only to step into a world remaking itself. 
the light just thrashing away at darkness, pounding away, mountains sloshing into seas like sugar in the rain. A hive throne world remade on a whim. I'm not what you call a believer, not after the Red War, not after the Tangled Shore, not after a lifetime of never mattering just because I wasn't half of someone else's whole. But that, that made me feel again. And then I saw him, what was left of him, lying there. Just this corpse, dead maybe, oh, a hundred years? It's my night. I look and I know he's mine. Like hearing a song the first time and it's already stuck in your head. And in that moment, I think something, something good in me died. And, tw and 22 and Kamasi and Marseille, they're all raising their partners. Hive light bearers, every last one. You'd think it'd be impossible, but sure enough, all standing there. Ely, Quasit, Hatcher, everyone's finding their purpose. There's Hive to the left of me, Hive to the right. I'm buried in them. And the whole time, every ghost I ever knew is shouting, telling me, this is the traveler's plan. Who are you to question it? And I thought, maybe they're right. Maybe I could see the light scouring a whole world right in front of me. Maybe this was some kind of turning point for the Hive. Knowing your creator chose you to remake an entire species, oh, you'd make some bad choices too. So I shared my light. Who wouldn't? A couple hundred of your closest friends bearing down on you in a hive shredder waiting if you say no? I shared and reached into him, touched something deep. And what he offered back, it wasn't light or dark. It was cold. It was wrong. And I knew it would fill up whatever empty cracks in me the light had left behind. And I chose to make it part of me behalf of his soul i chose to share my soul with a monster and the thing is you can't just be part monster and number two oh no 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 why of all things did you make me do this the hive certainly weren't perfect actually let's not mince words they were straight up evil but you i gave you a part of me i let you make me worse just so i could make you better you were supposed to understand you were the only one who ever could why wouldn't you? Yeah, so really, you know, this is your fault, not mine. I know, I know, you don't want to be dead. I know that. You think I don't know that? I watched you shoot a guardian and her ghost dead, all because I could hear you in the back of my mind needing me to bring you back. And I listened, and I listened to the others, then to you, to everyone except myself. I didn't expect miracles, but I expected something. Yes, you're dead now, and I can hear you, but I can't. Don't you get it? I just can't. I'm not going to be the trigger man anymore. I'm not going to sacrifice humanity on your personal altar. You're not, you're not worth it. You're not worthy. And you never were, were you? Why does Sabathun have the light? I should have asked why a long time ago. None of us did at the time, but I should have. We both know this wasn't right. Look, I've got no faith left in the Traveler, but I know it. It wouldn't give me a monster and say, make him a god. No, no, we both know this wasn't right. Was it pity? Optimism? Maybe. Maybe it's just the obvious. I mean, Hive don't accept gifts. They take. Maybe the Traveler was tricked. The end of some long con. The Traveler isn't just some dumb orb ripe for gifting. Gaul found that out the hard way. There's got to be more to it. I have to dig deeper. And if joining you damned me, well, hell sounds like a good place to start. I'll find out how she did it, and I don't care how much you try to change my mind. You're staying dead, you hear me? You made me a monster, remember? You don't get to cry about it when I act like one. 
this is this is a radically different Finch than we see in the campaign. Yeah. Um, and I think this is kind of a jumping off point for the story arc that he's going to go through in the campaign and in the interactions in the throne world. He's quite whimsical. Yeah. Honestly, he's straight up giddy that we told uh, Rourke. He is straight up giddy about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, man, he's been a pain in her side for eons. And you just walked in there like it was nothing. He's so happy that you're cleaning up the throne world and he gets to be friends with you. It's the Sagira interactions we never got. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's what could have been with Sagira and we never got that. It's what could have been with some of these other ghosts with, you know, maybe Zavala's ghost or with Geppetto or, you know, somebody like that. And instead we're seeing that the ghosts have feelings. They're not just simple little machines created by the traveler. They just, they straight up have feelings. They have emotions too. Yeah. So often the ghosts are relegated to being at best, extremely minor footnotes in the story. But for as important as they are, our ghost is really the, our ghost, Sagira, Geppetto's gotten a little bit, Sundance got a little bit. That's really about it. Until Glint. Yeah. Glint and now Finch really have, I think, expanded the ghost lore so much. Like, Glint used to be pulled pork. Like, yeah. we knew about him in the lore <laughs> that he he had been searching for his guardian for so long. And the answer was he couldn't get to his guardian because Aldrin was still alive. Yeah. And, you know, there's only been ever one recorded instance of somebody being alive and getting a ghost. And that's Shin Malfer. Yeah. But you have to wonder. So it's things happen to these ghosts to make them the way that they are. They have real emotions and feelings. They're not just meant to be straight up good all the time. The fact that Finch can resist the pull and the temptation of resurrecting his guardian is astounding in and of itself. Yeah. Because we know like Drifter keeps his ghost tucked away. Yeah. We know that the Dredgeons, their ghosts have crossed over and they're committing acts with them. Mm-hmm. We know the fallen guardians that have come to stasis, that their ghosts, you know, serve them basically. I mean, look at the story of Gilgamesh and Katabai. You know, Gilgamesh fell to the scorn and ultimately betrayed, you know, betrayed Katabai. Mm-hmm. Gets kept resurrecting him to be executed over and over and over and over and over again until they just killed themselves. And if there's one thing that's come out of like the last two years of storytelling, I would say since beyond light, it's really been that we're going to continue to get more and more of these ghosts emotions. You know, we got so many of ghosts of our ghosts during beyond light. And then during this campaign as well. And the things that, you know, he's that ghost is shouting, you know, you killed my friends. It's Mm -hmm. a little goofy, but it's true. Like I'm, and then you have Sabathun's ghost on the other side of all this. You have Imaru, and surely he's going to be one of the final tales, if not the final one. It'll be from his perspective. Right. But uh, Finch makes a comment that that guy's always been a jerk. He used to go by a different name, but he's always been a jerk, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Finch and Argos both knew him, and he's always kind of been an asshole. You know, this is the dude who is just, God, you want to talk about a schemer. He may be a bigger schemer than Sabathun at this point. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like it. I mean, it also kind of sounds like they're made for each other at this point. 
Oh, they, they are. And I mean, your, your ghost is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be a reflection of your personality. And you, you look at the interaction between how Glint makes Crow the best he can possibly be, how Geppetto supports Saint, how I'm sure Finch would have supported his Guardian. It's my honor. So I, I wish there was a way that he could pick another Guardian because I would really love for him and Mithrax to be buddies. Yeah. There's really... I think they would just both be in the party of we're happy to be here. Yeah. You really don't think that that... that... You don't think that that's going to happen at some point where, like, these hive ghosts are going to, like, as they rebel, they choose new guardians to, like, fight against their old guardians at some point? Uh, I don't think you can do that. Uh, Everything we know about ghosts is ghosts have preordained partners. And we don't exactly know what else goes into that. The only ghost been able to pick another partner was Jaren Ward's ghost, who chose Shen. And we kind of get the implication that maybe you can res the wrong person. Uh, but that's never really been explored beyond just kind of a fleeting thought. And I think that's going to be an interesting topic for us to keep in the back of our minds as we head towards Lightfall. Mm-hmm. Is can a ghost change their allegiance? Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we see here that a ghost is straight up refusing to resurrect their guardian. That's really the first instance I think we've ever had of that. Yeah. I mean, like, what if, what if Finch leads like a like a rebellion of hive ghosts, right? I mean, what if what if they do that? What if he does that? <laughs> I mean, I know that's kind of funny to think about, but like what if he what if he leads a rebellion of hive ghosts to find, you know, guardian like like beings that deserve the light instead of the hive, you know? Um, I would I would like that. I just don't Again, like as long as it's handled correctly, I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely see it being a plausible plot point down the line. Um, but I think the humanity of the ghosts and the character of the ghosts, like what do they represent? You know, if you consider the three main ghosts we really have in the story at this point, after, and Sagira is still impacting the story. So I'd really say the four key ghosts of the story are Ghost. Uh, Glint, Sagira, and Finch at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels almost natural that we would get probably an, like you could probably add Imaru into that now, mm-hmm. just because he's behind the scenes of so much, and we know yeah. that we're not done dealing with him yet. Yeah. Um. I also wouldn't be shocked in a future storyline this year, and this is just me spitballing. I don't, I don't know anything. There's no leaks about it or anything like that. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Geppetto take an actual, like, prominent role. Yeah. Geppetto's not super important in the lore, but if there was ever going to be another Jaren Ward, Shin Malfer situation, it would be Geppetto going to Mithrax, I think. Yeah. Um, If Saint decides he wants to, decided he wanted to live, like, a mortal life with Osiris. Yeah. Um, I could see that happening. Um. But I think you would have to, like, expressly give your ghost to another. Yeah. And on top of that, the Traveler would have to decide them worthy, like, on top of everything. Right. Uh, and then there's little doubt that the Elixni will be will be blessed at some point. The Traveler was above their planet, and then it fled because the darkness was encroaching. The Witness was coming. Right. And that's what caused the Great Whirlwind, as they call it. So their version of the Collapse is the Great Whirlwind. Right. Um. And we know, like, the Hive were originally supposed to be blessed, uh, the Krill, at least, were supposed to be blessed on Fundament. So it feels pretty natural that at some point they're probably getting the light. 
I don't think the Cabal do. I don't think the Cabal ever will. No. Uh, if they do, I'd be pretty surprised. But it feels natural for Mithrax and at least Mithrax and his daughter to right. likely be blessed by the light. Right. Uh, him and Sidger at some point. Yeah. Um, likewise, wouldn't be completely shocked if Marasov gets killed and comes back as a guardian eventually. Yeah. Um, I think you can only use that card so many times, though, and doing it with Aldrin, I think, would just undercut that. Yeah. Um, I don't want I, I don't want the ghost to be get out of jail free card for our favorite characters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it feels like at least Mithrax that would likely be a series long payoff. Like we talk about things that could bridge the gap to a Destiny three. Maybe in like the in the final expand when the final shape is over and you know everybody's you know kind of the, what's left of the Vanguard and their allies are reuniting. Um, Saint gifts Geppetto to Mithrax, mm-hmm. and Mithrax is reborn. You know he's already the head of the House of Light. You know what if you know that we've I've spitballed this several times. You know what if right. it's us leaving the galaxy with uh, Saint uh, Osiris and Mithra- Mithrax and. Keitel's fleet and yeah. we leave we go back we go to their respective homes you know we we find some technology when we beat the witnesses fleet that allows us to jump between systems at a moment's notice right uh you know maybe we take them and maybe uh, i mean maybe we the take tra- crow and drifter with us i don't know what if the traveler is like some sort of like <laughs> almost like a mass relay line from mass effect you know if there are other ones yeah, I mean, there's there so many different possibilities that you could do, and I would absolutely love it. Um, I'm okay. I, I'm I'm okay with this. Like, there there's so many different possibilities, and I think lore cards like this really open up. Just for us, l- look at how we started with this discussion, right? It was could Glint ever choose, or could uh, Finch ever choose a different guardian? And we're spinballing this into, oh, man, we're going to board a shift with Drifter and Mithrax and leave the solar system. We're going to go to Toraball. We're going to go to Reeks. We're going to go to Reeksis. Like, there's so many different things you can do here. And I'm just curious, like, how do you continue to com- to do a compelling narrative without the forces of light and dark? Right. That's like at its core. That's the most basic storytelling element is the light side and the dark side. Good versus evil. Mm hmm. And just like, what's the next step? Like, are we gonna are we gonna clean up more disciples? Like, and these are things like I'll be wondering for years. Yeah. But I'm excited to see where the story goes. I'm excited to see where Finch's story goes in particular. And I think this is gonna be something that we uncover either more throughout this lore book or more likely throughout the rest of this year. Like, I want him to be more involved in the storyline than Elsie was post Beyond Light. Right. Yes, we had the scenes with her and Anna when we we're doing the stasis fragments and the stasis aspects but then it just kind of like dropped off a cliff there and we were kind of left with a cliffhanger i want i want more i'm selfish i want more i want finch to be involved in some of the events of these seasons like i want these seasons to be not just a continuation of risen and oh we're building the lightfall i want to be a continuation of what happened in the witch queen rather than the seasons last year that largely ignored the events of beyond light yeah we are at a point in this ongoing story where we cannot continue to ignore the expansions just because there's different teams. No, the narrative team is so in sync right now, judging by how Risen is spun directly out of the events of the Witch Queen. Right. I want I want us to keep going with that. I want to explore that. I want to see what happens with our I allies. Too. And 
you know, when's the next chapter of, you know, the Splicer storyline? When's the next chapter of uh, Rasputin? Like, that's something that's got to be squared away. Maybe if it's held off until Lightfall, I'd be surprised. But there's so many other storylines I think we have to address first before getting back to that. Rasputin's kind of the get-out-of-jail-free card. Right. So, but at the same time, like, the witness just kind of, like, flicked his wrist and silenced him. Basically just destroyed him. Yeah. When he silenced Mars. So what happened? Like we basically evacuated Anna with a flash drive. Like she's the only one that listened to us, by the way. Yeah. So like, uh, is there a possibility that, well, we know Vance is dead. Sloan is missing. Asher is part of the Vex network. Now Does Sloan come back as, as a disciple. Like there's so many things that can happen. You know, the she and the falling to the darkness. Like there's so many things that can be, dealt with here just spinning out of this one conversation and out of theories from the raid and we're going to unbox them all here in lore corner yeah as we go through the season we're probably going to focus a lot less on seasonal lore just to be super clear like if it's important we will get to it um you know like the saladin storyline i think is especially compelling this season seems to be the main narrative we'll do that we'll do you know we kind of have another book of similar to things letters from the front that really catches up on the NPCs that may not be at the focus, the focal point of this season. I want to cover those, but it's, I think it's really important that we talk about the, the kind of more hidden lore that you really have to go hunting for by doing activities or doing end game activities, doing secret things, because more often than not, that gives us a brief insight to what they may be planning for the next couple of years. And that's half the fun. I think of an ongoing game is trying to predict where we're going to go next. Right. So that is a very long lore corner completed. Uh, it's a good one though. Yeah. I would say before we get on out of here, just, uh, you know, a note, I know normally by this point in a season or an expansion, we've had a lot of talk about the weapons. We haven't even covered anything outside of the exotics. I know. And it's just cause there, there's so much, there's so much content. It's not just surface level this time. And the season is worth experiencing and all the lore and the raid lore and this and that. Um, the current plan is probably um, the the last episode of March will be when we do this. He doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to ask him to come join me. Uh, our friend, our weapons master, our crucible quartermaster, you could call him A1 Johnny. Uh, I'm going to get him in here and uh, we're going to break down our favorite weapons. By then, everyone should have a suitable selection of roles five weeks in from the world pool from the wellspring from the throne world from trials iron banner the raid etc 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 all the exotics or break down you know some of our favorite perk combinations the state of weapon crafting which i.e it's not good um <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know what can what can be done to improve that uh what can be done to improve weapon crafting what can be done to improve drops uh what are we really liking what kind of combinations are we liking how do you fit legacy gear in things like that? So, uh, Captain, unless you have anything else to add, uh, take us away. All right, uh, nothing to add except uh, I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening to this episode of Tower Casuals. I want to welcome all the new guardians again as well. Uh, a lot of new newbies here with this new drop finding us. Uh, appreciate you. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please leave us five stars. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tower Casuals. Uh, you can also email the show, towercasuals at gmail.com. 
Josh, as always, I appreciate your time and your insight and your knowledge <laughs> of destiny. Where can we find you? Uh, as always, Twitter at Josh underscore Finn, two ends. Truly a disciple of the game, my friend. Truly a disciple of the game, a disciple slayer of the game. It's true. It's true. You can find me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me hosting a plethora of other podcasts on the internet. Uh, just follow me and you'll find out where to find me. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you everybody for watching and or listening. And until next time, Guardians, we love you. Goodbye.